Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to The Impact Code, where we take deep dives into the stories and journeys of impact in the lives of our guests. If you've been here before, you know what we're all about. If this is your first episode, thank you so much for joining. I hope that you gain something valuable from today's podcast and that you'll be back soon. Today's guest is so full of heart, so full of passion. Him and his business partners saw a need in the world to take on a big problem, and they started a company to do that. And it is none other than Joey Odom. I first heard Joey speaking on Mudwater's podcast and was just blown away by his message and by how he was taking on the problem of digital addiction. Let me tell you a little bit about Joey before we get going today. So Joey is new to the state of Tennessee. He actually just relocated with his family from Atlanta. Before he founded this company that we're going to be talking about today, Aro, Joey was an executive in commercial real estate. And like his business partner, Heath, he realized that his phone was distracting him from the most important thing in his life, his family. And I love the conversation that we have about that. You're going to clearly hear Joey's passion for this message. You're going to hear why this mission is personal to him. And he's really the heart behind Aro. As always, we'll cover a broad range of topics as we dive into Joey's story of how he found and is making his impact. Before we get started today, I want to take one quick minute and tell you all about Tower Community Bank. Why Tower? Well, Tower is making this podcast completely free for you. Tower pays for the hosting for this podcast. Tower pays for all of the equipment that we need. Anything to do with the Impact Code is completely funded by Tower Community Bank. I work for Tower, and you can support the Impact Code by supporting Tower. So go to towercommunitybank.com. That's www.towercommunitybank.com and check out what it is that Tower does. Check out the bank accounts that we offer. Check out the loans that we offer here at Tower. And if any of those products interest you, please apply and become a part of Tower. You will quickly realize why Tower is different, why our tagline is a higher standard. And I can assure you that you will be happy that you are banking with Tower. So check us out today. With that in mind, it's time. I hope that you enjoy my conversation with my friend, the great, the wonderful, the passionate Joey Odom. Joey, thank you so much for joining the Impact Code today. I first heard you on Mudwater's podcast, and you were talking about this whole idea of digital addiction and addressing that problem uh, head on with a new product uh, that you and your co-founder have come up with. And from the first minute of that podcast, I was hooked and you were somebody that I knew I wanted to have on our show here and learn more about this idea of digital addiction, and, and that may be a term that some of our listeners are unfamiliar with. And so I thought it may be a great place to start. How do you define uh, digital addiction, and and what does that term mean to you? Yeah, I actually love And by the way, thank you for having me on. Um, appreciate yeah, thanks it. for being here. Yeah, no, it's, this is fun. I, I would start, and I love that you started there, because we view the world a little bit differently than others. Um, digital addiction is a term that a lot of people use and I believe that the inference within the term digital addiction is a sense of hopelessness. And mm. I disagree with this whole notion that we have a whole society of people who are addicted to their phones. Mm. We've only had the iPhone for 15 years. It just celebrated its 15th birthday. And in my mind, what we're really suffering from is a lack of bad habits. I mean, sorry, we have, we have plenty of bad habits, a lack of good habits sure. around our phones. And so as a result, when we say something like, oh, I'm addicted to my phone, what we're saying is, oh, I have no control over it. Mm-hmm. So at RO, we say, no, 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 hold on one second. You were so close to the life that you're actually looking for if you can build the set of habits around it. And so... There are certainly dopamine hits that you get when you sc- when you scroll Instagram. There are certainly dopamine hits when you're you know waiting for a new group message, all that kind of stuff. But I actually believe that we're not going to go through like shivers and cold sweats if we get rid of our phones. In fact, I know that's the case. That we're not going to you're not going to go through that. But we're going to get to this point where you build a good set of habits, and really where that begins, Brett, 
is you're building a good relationship with your phone. And that's mm -hmm. really the issue. It's not, it's not this, you know, we're totally powerless. We just need to build a better relationship with it. And even further, that's for all of us, you and I, who have, you know, who have phones, but for your kids, for Noah and Harper, what if you initiated good behavior and you initiated a good relationship with their phone when it's time? And that, by the way, begins with you modeling that the right way. They're going to have a really good relationship and you're going to feel confident as a dad in how they handle their phone. You know what I mean? And so that their yeah, world will look much differently. Your relationship will look much different with them. And it all begins with this belief that I have the control over this and I'm just setting up my environments away from everything looking different. Mm, I like that. I like that you're distinguishing between sort of giving the power away and, and taking back that power. And it sounds like that's a problem that the, the problem may not be addiction in and of itself. It's, it's can we take back that yeah. power? And we may need a few tools to help us do that because the odds are sort of stacked against us in terms of the technology yeah. um, that may be embedded within the phone. Um, so let's back up even even further then. Sure. So when did you first become aware of this problem? When did it first pop onto your radar? Well, the, the one, one of this is maybe not the first time I became aware of it, but the time it really became very poignant for me, uh, my son, who's 14 years old now, his name's Harrison. When he was five years old, he was playing in his soccer, uh, his soccer season, his first soccer season. And Harrison, by the way, is the most wonderful 14 year old kid. He's so great. He's a great tennis player, plays a bunch of tournaments. At five years old, he was a horrendous soccer player. He was terrible. And, and so, he, by the way, he's, he's heard me tell this story and he's forgiven me and he'll see a therapist about it some years from now. Yeah. But Harrison, Harrison at five years old, everybody on the team had scored a goal in the season except for Harrison. And so, you know, there's this moment this Saturday, we're sitting on the, on the sidelines, my wife and I are, and it's like this, you know, kind of movie cinematic moment unfolds in front of us where it's Harrison, the ball, and an empty goal, no goalie there. So Harrison rears back his legs and you can hear kind of like the, you know, James Horner theme music in the background playing and he kicks the <laughs> ball and it goes end over end into the back of the net. Harrison oh, scores wow. his first goal. The crowd, everybody knows he hadn't scored a goal. So crowd goes wild. Coach comes and lifts him up. And of course, what is What does a five-year-old boy do when he scores a goal? He looks over. You. Exactly. Turns yeah. to the sidelines, lock eyes with dad. Make sure I saw it. It's this beautiful moment, except for the fact that I missed all of it because I was wow. looking down at my phone. And I'm telling you, Brett, this actually gets me emotional retelling the story. And I've told it a hundred yeah. times. Yeah. I was looking down at my phone and I missed it. And what, and he, he, Harrison claims he doesn't remember that, but I missed all of it. And all he wanted was a little affirmation from me. Mm. And that to me was one of the more poignant reminders to me that this thing in my pocket as many good things as it does for me is getting in the way of my best intentions. This is the biggest distraction that I face that, and I've talked to thousands of dads, I've talked to thousands of moms, I've talked to thousands mm -hmm. of people who aren't, you know, not married, not, you know, whatever, not, not parents. All of them say the same thing. This thing is getting in the way. Mm -hmm. However, it's freaking great. I need yeah. it. I need to order an Uber sometimes. I need to get, you know, I need to go, you know, order order Uber Eats sometimes. There are a bunch of things that I need for. I need my email. I need text. It's the way we communicate. Um, my grandfather died this past year and or two years ago, and we FaceTimed hours before he passed away. He's in Arizona. I was in Georgia at the time. How amazing is that that I can do that? But it's not worth missing soccer goals. It's not worth missing these moments that pop up as a parent that, that are in front of us. So we got to figure out, we're not going to get rid of it. That's a terrible idea, but we should figure out how to relate to it better to where we are the ones in control of it. And we're leveraging all of its good without it leveraging us and taking our attention away from the things that we really intend to do with our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a similar moment with my daughter. Mm -hmm. She was swim lessons and uh, you know, it's just lessons that she's not doing competing or anything like that. She's five at this point. Yeah. And she had done something that she had never done before, which was swim maybe 15 feet yeah. without the help of her instructor. And I was sitting on the sideline and I think a team's message came through and I was looking down at the team's message mm -hmm. and I look up and she's staring at me wow. and just like has this look of just disappointment Ugh. on her face. And same, wow. same thing you're talking about is just that that feeling instantly of like, Ooh, I just, you know, I yeah. missed it. Like I missed yeah. the, 
the important thing in that moment wasn't what was on my phone. The important thing was right in front of me. Yeah. But the phone has this way of feeling really urgent Mm. when, when that buzz happens or when that notification pops up, even if I have 90% of my notifications shut down, Yeah. but teams is one that I still let through in case my team needs anything. And man, when that thing pops through, there's something about it that is just, it's attractive. It, it, yeah. There's something that makes me feel important about mm. maybe pressing that button. Yeah. And then instantly, I mean, just seeing my daughter's face, I was like, oh man, I messed up. I know it, and it's, it's, um, it is. I love that you said that it does feel so urgent. Everything feels so urgent. And by the way, I don't think, and, and hear me out here, we're so afraid as a society of being bored. I am. Let me say as a society, I am. I hate being bored. I hate being, you know, we hate things being mundane, but I'm telling you, man, that's the stuff where we can sit in that for a little bit. You just never know what this, what arises from that. So as a result, of course, sitting at a swim lesson doesn't compare, you know, just watching your daughter swim seems something she's done a hundred, you know, a hundred times. Of course, that doesn't compare to an urgent message from something else. It, it really doesn't. The dopamine hit, there's no, you know, the dopamine trade-off. You get more from opening up the email or the team's message. They can't compare to it. But it, in the same way that it tastes a lot better to eat cotton candy at dinner than it does broccoli. But we know what happens to your teeth. We know what happens to your gut. We know what happens if over time, what you do. So we're letting all these things, the urgence get in the way of the important every day and we're allowing it to happen so what we're going to do and i'm telling you we are going to do and we're doing it right now is we're going to make sure that other dads and moms don't have to tell those same stories that you and i just did because we're going to we believe there's a cultural bend there's a cultural shift coming if we can all figure out a way to build this better relationship with our phones yeah yeah and i think the the thing that you just talked about there of the the boredom i think that's an important thing to talk about too is like I, i can't remember the last time that i stood in a line and i didn't pull out my phone unless my phone was dead. Yeah. I, and I had never thought of it until you just said that. But I yeah. was just thinking when I was a kid, I remember even just like standing in the grocery checkout line, you know, you have time to converse, you have time to think yeah. you're talking to the people in front of behind you. And I can't remember the last time when I didn't stand in a line and, and pull out my phone. And I think you lose something in terms of mm. connection to the world. I think you lose something in terms of uh, processing, yeah, internalizing, those things all happen in blank space, if you yes. will. And when you don't have blank space anymore, I think you lose some of that ability to connect to the world in that way. Even if you are connecting through a digital means, I think you maybe lose something through the, the screen. I, I could not agree more. And it's funny you bring up the promise we didn't rehearse this, the about the grocery. Um, we were in New York when, um, a few years ago. We spent the summer in New York and we were in the Whole Foods at, at Columbus Circle. And it was a Sunday night. It was really, really busy. It was very hectic. I'm a little bit sensory. So I was in sensory overload. Mm-hmm. And I just went over, I told my wife, I said, Hey, listen, I'm going to go stand over here and just let me know when you're done. And so I'm sitting there amongst, you know, what felt like, you know, 30,000 people in the, in the deli department. Um, and so I'm sta- standing there in a corner and I pull out my phone and then I just, something was like, no, no, just, just set it down for a second. Just observe. Mm. By the way, our company is called RO. RO is a term that means to notice. And so I said, just sit here and notice. And I saw this man who clearly suffered from mental health issues walking up and down the prepared foods line. And he was screaming at the workers. I need the thing. Give me the thing. And he had a little, he had a walker also. I need the thing. And he's yelling at the top of his lungs. And, and this, you know, it happens in New York, you know, mental health is so, um, uh, disorders are so prevalent that people don't necessarily notice those people. And so people were just ignoring him. The workers, everybody was ignoring him, just hoping he'd quiet down. This went on for several minutes. I kind of lost track of him. And then five minutes later, I look, this is this beautiful moment. I'm not going to quite capture it, unfortunately. This beautiful moment where the man is walking with his walker. He has a tray of food sitting on the platform on his walker and a um, and an employee whose, whose name I learned later was Dylan. The Whole Foods employee was walking with him. And the man who I was sure was out of his mind crazy was smiling he was talking, he was laughing with him. So I wow. went and asked, I went and asked the guy, I was like, what happened? He was like, oh, he just wanted a tray. That's all he wanted. I went and asked the employee, he wanted a tray. 
And so I see this, this beautiful, I mean, it's just, it really like, it was such like a moment, like I'm an emotional guy to begin with, but I get emotional thinking about it. This beautiful moment where all it took was this guy, Dylan, the Whole Foods employee, noticing this man and going and asking, hey, how can I help you? And then he helped Mm. him. And then he gave him exactly what he wanted. And the man sat and he smiled. And I was, you know, fortunate to not be looking at my phone. I was the, you know, I was the beneficiary of being able to witness this beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. Told my kids, I emailed corporate at Whole Foods about it. I mean, it was just this whole thing. It made such an impact on me for somebody noticing. And yeah. we're afraid of that mundane. So mm-hmm. I don't want to overwhelm you with stories. The other one that's probably the most, the most, you know, important one to me was my wife after an 18 hour labor. Yeah. With our first, with Harrison, who I mentioned earlier, gets rushed into an emergency C-section. They had to put her under. It was a high, very high risk delivery. So yeah. I couldn't be in the room for it. And so I sat there at, outside and I just sat and waited. This is 14 years ago, mind you. So as a result, I don't even think I had a smartphone at the time, fortunately, right. because if I would have had a smartphone... I would have sat there after this long day, I sat and I prayed and was just like, you know, just overwhelmed with emotion, afraid of what's going to happen to my unborn child and to, yeah. and to my wife. And I just sat there in silence, sitting in the hall. And the next thing I know, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, is I hear the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard in my life which was the the cries of my son, which I didn't, we yeah. didn't know what gender it was. Yeah. And then the doctor comes out and he says, he's a boy and he's big. And so, <laughs> and I just sat there when I heard those cries, yeah. I leaned my head back and I did tears streamed down my face. And that's a moment I have forever. forever. And what if I would have tried to cover that up? What if I would have tried to mask those emotions? What if I'd have missed that moment because I was scrolling down, trying to distract myself. I mean, really trying to medicate myself. What if that would have happened? So, we're missing all these, to your point, we're missing the beauty of the real world around us. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually, I think back on the story of, of Harrison being born, it's actually almost scary to think that I could have possibly missed that. That's terrifying. Especially yeah. like you think about the things that are going to matter to you in 20, 30, 40 yeah. years, if, if we're fortunate enough to make it that far. And it, right. that's the top of the list. I mean, yeah. that's the thing that's like, worth more than anything else that that money could buy and yeah yeah, it's it is there's there's something that's so enticing about the device in and of itself but there's there's also this necessity of like it's so integrated and integral in in everything that we do that you really it's not realistic to have a a flip phone anymore for most people it's just not a reality that uh, i think anyone or a sacrifice that anyone is willing to make and uh, man, that's just, those yeah. are powerful stories and yeah, powerful yeah. moments. And it's scary to think how many of those we potentially mm. might be missing every single day. Yeah. And then looking back at the end of our life, like, what am I, am I going to remember my Instagram yeah, feed bro. and that picture yeah. of the mountains that I saw? Am I going to remember yeah. the picture of someone else's kids that I saw mm. or someone else's vacation that I saw or even products that I like? Like those things aren't going to matter to the degree that, yeah. The, the real present moment and yes. connections that we have with the people that we love will. So, and, and I'll tell you what you, you mentioned earlier. I just love that you said it because the, the phone feels so urgent. I, and I'm, I'm going to be a little bit grandiose here, but it's, it's true. What's really urgent is the life we're living. Mm. Bro, I got, I'm, I've, I've, I'm, I'm 42, mm-hmm. hopefully halfway, you know, halfway through, hopefully I have a, you know, 42 more plus, but we all, every human has one thing. We all, we all have one thing unique to us, and that is our last breath on earth. All mm. of us only have one of those, and it's coming for every freaking one of us. That's right. It's coming for you. It's coming for me. I don't know when it is. I could get hit by a bus today. And if we really understood that, like, finitude that we are, we are going to die. I'm sorry to be morbid, but it's the truth that we are mm-hmm. going to have a last breath someday. We would change everything. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd all be singing Tim McGraw, live like you were dying, right? right. <laughs> we, right. Because we, you never know, you get the, you get a diagnosis, you get, or you live to be a hundred and you can look back and say, that was urgent. That was really fast, but that's what's urgent. And I mean, you know, I'm hyping myself up thinking about it, just talking about it, because that's if we could have that, that 
that picture, that context every day as we live, we would change everything about the way we, we would change everything about how we live. It's a hard thing for humans to understand too. They, yeah. We have this really skewed yeah. sense of time yeah. where there's this part of, at least of me, I, I guess I can't speak for anyone but myself, but there's this part of myself that feels like there's always going to be more time mm. in a way that's really hard to explain. Like I understand that I will have a last breath and I understand mm. that I'm not going to live forever, but that feels so delayed from where yeah. I am now yeah. that unless I'm having conversations like the one that we're having, Joey, like right now I'm fired up. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, man, I got to, you know, go home, hug the yeah, kids, like, put the phone down, be present tonight. But then in the, in the everyday, it's really easy to lose sight of those yeah. things and the to-do lists and the taking kids places and the, the things that we have to do with friends and school and education. And like the list goes on and on and on. And we lose that sense of like uh, finitude that we have. Like yeah, we, right. we forget that we aren't an infinite being. Yeah. And that is the key understanding that I think if we really can ingrain in ourselves that we wake up every day and it changes mm. how we, how we live. We don't stay in a job that we hate for 15 yeah. years. If we understand, I may not have 15 years. I may have this day. Right. Like, and that is such a powerful thought. And it's interesting that that is so connected to uh, the device. That's it's, yeah. it's so connected to, it's almost like yin and yang, like the, yeah. <laughs> like you have the shortness of life and then, the cell phone, they almost work in, yeah. um, in opposition to each other in a way. Yeah. And, and it's, it's true of any, it's true of any distraction. And, and, and you know, I, I distri define distraction as anything that gets in the way of your intentions. I think mm -hmm. anybody listening today, this would be my guess that anybody listening today, if they're a parent says, I want to be the best parent out there. I want to, I would say, I bet most people listening today would say like, I really want to be present in the moment. So it's not for lack of intentions that we're struggling with this. We all have those intentions. It's for mm -hmm. lack of, I, I believe it's for lack of tools and more specifically, it's for lack of environment. And, and in some ways, you know, James Clear has a great book called Atomic Habits that you may have read. Atomic Habits, he yep. says that most people think that they're lazy. What they really, they just lack a system. That's all mm. they, it's, they just lack some kind of system for how they do things. And so as a result, we live back to the addiction thing. We live with this kind of re resignation that like, ah, this is just how things are. Well, that's not yeah. true. It's, yeah. it's not true. If someone, if someone's struggling with their, with their health starts with a walk, you know what I mean? It starts with a plan that says, I'm going to walk, you know, it's this Kaizen method of just, you know, the little bits every day, just little bits and build on that every day. And with the, with the understanding that this actually can improve. And I think that apathy may be the thing that's getting the most in the way of that. You mm. know what I mean? It's just, just how it is. But I, I think that sense of resignation is what we have to break ourselves out of to understand that things can be different. And it all, again, it all begins. It it's not for lack of intention. It's just for lack of system and more specifically environment. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think apathy and maybe it's, it's hard for people to visualize a, a future that doesn't exist yet. Like yeah. there, there really hasn't been up to this point, And this is why I'm so excited about Aro, a, a tool that's like, it's not saying get rid of the phone. That's, that's right. what everybody has been like, even sort of the Apple, like the, the time blocking on Apple where, um, what's it called? Screen time yeah. with, with Apple. You can block certain apps. It, there, there's workarounds for that. There's, yeah. it's, it's always like get rid of the phone in a way that is really inconvenient to living a modern life. And I think yeah. that's where the solution is different. And, uh, and so I think that that's really powerful. Um, can, can we circle back? I, so you talked about intention and, and I'm yeah. curious that moment. So you're seeing Harrison, uh, you're not seeing Harrison kick the door, yeah, the right, goal, exactly, right? He, right. He, he makes the goal and, and he's looking over at you. You missed that moment. What, what is your intention? How, how does mm. your intention instantly shift in that moment? Cause it's a powerful moment. So what were you thinking before and, and how did that change once you realized what had happened? I, I was thinking before that I'm bored. I was thinking before mm. like these, these, you know, we're watching five-year-olds play soccer and that sounds yeah. crass. And yeah. then I'm, 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 you know, making a caricature, but it, it I was, I was just not like <laughs> not this, the most exciting. Yeah. It wasn't that exciting. And it was, um, I would like to say Brett that I made this dramatic change that day and I didn't. I, I thought there, I felt, I was just like, dad, gummit, I freaking miss it. I was mad mm -hmm. at myself. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what I did that night, but I bet I was on my phone when it was family time. I bet. 
Mm. because it was this, you know, it was that moment. Now it's a great, it was a great moment to look back on, to realize that I, there's something did go in motion, but it, it didn't, it, you know, that intention remained the same to be a present dad, but I, I wouldn't say that there was something dramatic that changed there. Um, and I know that because I have, you know, a bunch of other experiences where I missed other moments sure. um, as a result. So I don't, I don't know that anything changed there. It was, it was until that, it was until um, my co-founder, Heath Wilson, Heath, who founded a, a company called Evestment, had a, a, a sizable exit when they um, when they sold the company to NASDAQ. Heath was retired for 45 days and he texted me, um, <laughs> he texted me and he said, hey, I have an idea. And so we'd been in kind of like small group study together before. So we knew we kind of lined up in terms of, um, you know, values and intentions and stuff like that. And he just said, I have this idea. I just see everybody on their phone. I, I see um, I see a big societal problem. And he made a statement that's really, really has stuck with us forever. He said, I'm going to spend a lot of money to solve this for my family. Mm. He goes, and I think you and I can solve it for our own families. And if we solve it for our own families, I think this could be something that's pretty sizable for a lot of other families. So it began with a recognition in both of us that we're struggling, mm. that, we're, that we're not doing a good job on this, and a belief that it could be better. And if we make it better for our families, we think we can make it better for a lot of other families. Wow. That's a, that's a really interesting way to look at. I think a lot of us enter, like, how do we change? We enter the, the idea of like making an impact with how do I change the world? Yeah. And in this case, it was just like, how do I improve this, this really big problem in my own family unit and yeah. our own family units? And that's a really powerful thing. It's a really yeah. interesting way to approach a problem in general. Did y'all know you wanted to make it in uh, like a company that you wanted to go to market with this? Or was it simply just like, Hey, let's, it, you know, let's solve this thing here first, see how yeah. it works. And then we'll look outward. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was like, it was, let's take a step by step. Let's not go. We didn't go incorporate the next day. We, 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 what we really did is we took a, an old shoe box. We cut some holes in the back. We ran the chargers through it. And we said, "Is what if having a, a designated place, which all of us have shoe boxes and drawers and all that stuff, but mm -hmm. what about a central place that holds our phone? Would that, would that be helpful if we created distance between us and our phones? And it, it did to some degree. And then as we saw some promise in that, we said, you know, let's, let's, go, let's go see if this is a, would be something that could be helpful for others as well. So we went and built an, an app. We had a company build an app for us that tracked our time away when we put it in the box. So we built a kind of a cigar box with a Bluetooth beacon. And what would happen if we had the opposite of the Apple screen time report? The Apple screen time report says, here's how much time you were on your phone. What if we saw something a little bit more motivating that says, here's how much time you were intentionally away from your phone this week. Mm. And that timer, that was really powerful. And I saw I had spent 40 minutes, 48 minutes away from my phone. That feels really good. And then we said, okay, so what would happen then if we could start um, not just tracking the amount of time? What if we started tagging what we were doing with, with that? And then what if I could build up a streak like the, you know, build up those kind of dopamine hits away. And what if we, yeah. you know, what if we, what if we, what if we, and we started, and then we beta tested with a bunch of friends and people said, wow, this is, this is amazing. This mm. gamified experience on an app that's activated by placing it in a box. That's really powerful. And so then when we went through that, we said, okay, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go put some real money behind this. And get an industrial designer behind making this a instead of a shoebox. I have a guess that your wife doesn't want a shoebox sitting on the kitchen counter, but she, not. she does like a decorative piece. So let's make this be. Let's go engage some interior designers and let's make a beautiful home decor piece that fits in your home. That also is has a bunch of tech packed inside. So the moment you drop your phone in the device, it starts tracking your time. And by the way, it charges your phone, connects to the app automatically. And then you can build up this, you know, kind of life journal. And what does that gamified experience look like? And it was overwhelming that people said that it was powerful for them. And here's what's interesting. You, you mentioned the kind of internal, like the do not disturb and the screen time mm -hmm. app blockers and things like that. There's a, there's a researcher by the name of Maxie Heitmeyer. He's a um, professor at the London School of Economics. We've read a lot of his research, very academic. He only studies... Um, he only studies people in their relationship to smartphones. And he has a thesis and he, in his reports, he says that all of those internal app mechanisms, the blocking the app, apps notifications, 
he actually says those are counterproductive towards us. Interesting. And he says the only way for someone to actually spend less time on their phone, and we laugh at this, is to have a place that you put it that's se- physically separate from you and for it to be out of sight from you. We see our phone, it's going to disrupt us. And it makes sense, right? That's that's when you think about, it, okay, that's obvious. Put it in a drawer. You're not you're not holding it. That makes sense. But what gets people to actually put it in that drawer? So the real value behind what Aro is doing, real value is this gamified experience that leads you to put your phone down. And when you do that, you're building a muscle and you get more used to it. I have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old. When we when they walk in the house, when they get home from school, they drop their phone in Aro. When I walk in, I drop my phone in Aro. And it plays a cool sound. That's a little Pavlovian response to it. Um, yep. So everything is, is designed around. The, and then, by the way, when I reach my daily goal, I get a celebration that you know that rotates every day, a new gift that shows like, hey, congrats, you did a great job, that sort of thing. So all of those are just breadcrumbs towards us putting our phone down and building that habit around it. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the story of our own in about three minutes, but it began with, does a physical place work? Yes. Does a, um, but it only works to a degree. Does the gamified experience work? Yes. But that can't only be located within the app because you need, you need an activator, a physical place. So that combination of the two, it's magic. And we have thousands and thousands, you know, tens of thousands of hours of users. We've only launched, you know, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Tens and tens of thousands of hours of people using it. The average RO user, this is amazing, spends 10 hours a day away from their phone. It's Are incredible. That's a huge, and that, wow. that includes, that includes what is some it sleep, for a people non-RO? who sleep overnight. So, oh gosh. I mean, I, it, well, 91% of Americans spend 20, have their phones with them 24 hours a day. So, so 91% of, of us have zero. our phones with us at all time. That's right. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big impact. And, it, and, and it's, it's a huge impact. It, it changes. And it's not about putting in your phone. There's nothing motivational about putting it on your phone. What's amazing is the life that happens on the other side of that. It's, mm. it's, it's an incredible thing, what, thing that happens. I mean, talking about kids, for example, by the way, we're really designed really, you know, well for families. Yeah. Quality time. This is this quote from somebody we know named Billy, Billy Phoenix. Quality time only comes as a result of quantity time. So you can't go create this quality moment. Wow. You got to sit around. You got to sit around and wait. And then all of a sudden, like it, it happens, and you have this great five minutes with your daughter. You have this great connection with your son. You have this. You can focus on the beautiful lines of a novel or a motivational, um, you know, self help book or something like that. And things make a difference. You have some journaling time. That's what happens. You got to sit in it though. You can't create it without you know with a constant distraction sitting around you. Mm. I think that's really important, and that's a. Man, that's a fascinating number. So you said ten hours per day. Ten hours per ten day, hours and again, that includes that includes that includes. I mean, that includes an overnight so sleep. A lot of people they sleep away from their phone, but that means let's just say that's eight hours, seven, eight hours. That means two to three hours of non-sleep time. Yeah, and yeah. I don't. And I, I actually I'd don't say wanna, seven to eight I, is generous too for for most yeah, exactly. people who are sleeping. And yeah. I don't want to un- under underemphasize the importance of not sleeping with your phone. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I wake up, if my phone's with me, and this is Joey four years ago, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, hit a restroom, hit a bathroom break, and just take a quick peek. Did any emails come in at two thirty in the morning? You know, and it's yeah. I laugh, but then what yeah, that you're does that, that you're blue describing light, my current routine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and and, 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 and <laughs> that that not only does your mind start racing, but your circadian rhythm is thrown off because the blue light tells you that light and the, that light our bodies are designed to wake up to light. And so your body was just told like, oh, it's wake up time. And then you get to go try to sleep four or five more hours. And that all cycles on yeah. itself. So the sleep, we've had people tell us, the RO members have told us, they've said the most impactful thing is the fact that I don't sleep with my phone anymore. Now, some people I totally get, some people have very valid reasons for wanting to be available. Middle of the night, I totally mm-hmm. get that. Mm-hmm. But for some mm-hmm. people, my wife sleeps with the phone at the bedside table, I don't. I sleep with mine away from me. It's had a dramatic difference on my sleep. So. That 10 hours a day, I'm shocked by the number also. And that includes a, a large number of people who, so that 10 hours as an average of all users, of all, you know, thousands of users, that's an average. So that means that there are some people who don't sleep with that, you know, overnight. And so that's a that's pretty right. significant number. I, I can get those exact numbers, probably three to four hours on average of people during waking hours that are physically distant from their phones, living life, experiencing the mm. real life all around them. 
So even just in all, I, I may be kind of outing myself here, but I don't think I'll, I don't <laughs> think other people will feel like this is that uncommon. So I, I'm one of those people that probably has my phone with me 24 hours a day um, until I yeah. listen to your podcast. It, it was on my radar in that I was frustrated with it. I realized I was missing things here and there. I had a similar experience that I shared earlier with Harper, but yeah. it didn't really change the behavior yep. around the phone. Like maybe I tried to watch her swim lesson a little more closely, but it didn't really change how I interacted with my phone in a meaningful way. I didn't set it to the side. I didn't leave it. And I do feel, um, a certain amount of anxiety around not having my phone next to me. And I don't know, there's not really anything I feel like that I would miss that would be that important, but I'm just like, there's this, uh, this part of me that's like, man, if I put it down, I'm going to miss the most important, like something's going to happen and I'm going to be out of the loop. It's like the fear of missing out almost. Um, are you seeing people like, how are you seeing people enter, uh, probably I'm guessing it's like a slow step into they, they buy the RO they're using it. Uh, or are people just like jumping off the, the cliff and they're like, Hey, I'm 10 hours a day right away. Uh, or does it, does it vary? It's both. Um, and, and I will, and I'll, I'll speak in, to the, to the FOMO crowd first. And I would say that's very real. It is a legitimate feeling. No wonder we feel that way. We're wired to our neural pathways have formed to tell us that we need our phones with us all the time. We all, you know, if you go right. the concept of neuro, neuroplasticity, those things can change, yep. which is a great, which yep. is great news. Um, so here's the way we encourage people like that. We say two things. One of them is wear, wear an Apple watch, wear a smartwatch. People say, well, wait a second. Isn't that defeating the purpose? No, no, no. You don't doom scroll an Apple watch. It, right. it is helpful. It is helpful to take a peek when a text comes in and says, okay, not important. Or if my mom calls at 11 PM on a Tuesday night, I know, wait mm-hmm. a second, I need to answer that one mm-hmm. because something's going on. Yeah. So that's a good way to keep a monitor to make sure that gives you a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a buffer zone. And then the other thing I would say is wait for that right environment. When your whole family is home, why, I, by the way, there's not there aren't many moms in America who will ever put their phones away from them when their kids are at school because they need to know if the nurse yeah. calls. That's good. That's important. Right. But how about when yeah. everybody's at home and it's dinner time? Or let mm. me make it I'll, I'll make it I'll, I'll, I'll take an even more extreme example. How about you're taking a shower? Probably not going to have your phone there. There's a good moment for you to create some separation. So find something you're going to do anyway, anything anyway without your phone, and then put it in RO. But then you say, okay, everybody's home and it's family dinner time. There's no necessity here. I'm going to set it aside here for just a few minutes and just start that small, start very, very small. And before long, you'll realize that you are, and this is true, you're building a muscle with you. So it's, and again, there are other people who will go, you know, kind of whole hog, but there's people describe this, people describe all the time to us. I had a guy email this morning and say this, he said, it's felt really uncomfortable at first. He goes, but I've had some of the most amazing times with my family after I've done that. So it's a real fear. It's legitimate. It's in, but I can tell you, it's just because our muscles are atrophied. Let's mm-hmm. and you can build that muscle. Not all the time. Again, if I'm, yeah. Yeah. It, it, there, there are certainly times that I'm going to absolutely need my phone and, mm-hmm. and, and I'm just going to keep it with us during the work days. I keep it with me all the time. It's, you know, sometimes I need deep focus and I'll put it in RO, but other times, you know, it's, it's with me cause I'm making phone calls and I'm responding to texts and things like that. And those are important. Yeah. I think that's fair. Do you see, uh, so let's say you have teenagers. Yeah. How are, how are they typically, have you heard stories of like how they're interacting with this device? Are they accepting of it? Or is there a big resistance to it at first? It, it, does the resistance go away if there is? I, I, I have a firm belief we don't give our kids enough credit. I think that people look at this, oh, my kids will never get on board with this. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lie. It, it really mm-hmm. is. Some are going to be grumpy about it for sure. But what this is actually, this is an opposite parental control app. It's not parents controlling their kids. It's kids controlling their parents. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll even go, I'll even go a step back. I'm going to, I'll go down to your kid's age, two and five mm-hmm. and, and Harper's five. So she's probably more aware of it. So when you put your phone away, what that's going to do is put you and Harper on the same level. Mm. There's nothing different from the two of you. You are two humans who are eye to eye with each other. So you're going to put yourself on her level. And in doing that, and here's what's amazing. And maybe if anybody hears any, you know, this could be the only thing you hear today is when you put your phone down, 
you are telling the person across the table from you that you are important to me. You're mm -hmm. telling them that they are valuable. In fact, you're so much, you're so much more valuable than this little box I carry around all the time. So I make a production out of it, or at least at the outset I did, I would say, Hey, I'm putting my phone away. I'm putting my mm -hmm. phone in Oro and it, and it's telling everybody around you, you're really important. The other thing that I love that people do, and this is from one of our users who I, she thought of it, not me, which I love. She will hand her phone to her kid who's six and her kid mm -hmm. will put her phone in Oro. And so that's important for two reasons. One of them is it's very, very demonstratively showing that child that they are important. But what it's also doing is it's building the muscle in their child to put their phone down. So it's setting that example for when the, their, their kid gets the phone, they're going to fully understand what it's like. They're going to understand that dinner, wait, why would you have your, my, my kids, they're like, why, why would someone have their phone at dinner? I don't understand mm -hmm. that. They're in conversation. Why would you pick up your phone in the middle of a conversation? That doesn't make sense. So kids at a young age, that's really, we thought it was for teenagers and it's really effective for teenagers. Talk about that in a second. But where it really, really hits even more so is with the younger kids because they crave, crave, crave parents' attention. The kids will demand that parents put their phones down. Mm. It's huge. So I think actually you're in the perfect, you know, perfect age with your kids. Now, sure. teenagers, it's huge for teenagers as well. Teenagers actually love because it's a game. They're, they're competing. Mm. They're, the kids with phones are competing with their parents. We have a gamify, like competitive element oh, yeah, to it, which thing. makes it fun. Yeah. It also will say, well, one thing, when you put your phone, if you're familiar with Life360, Life360, a location tracker, and it tells you yep. when, you know, dad's arrived at home or, or kids arrived at school or whatever it is. When you put your phone in RO, it sends a notification out to everybody in your family that says, dad just put his phone down. Would you like to join him? And so it's this ah, quiet, cool. this quiet invitation. Hey, come, come join me. It's not you nagging. It's you just giving a quiet invitation that they can accept or decline. Yeah, man, that's really powerful. That's really powerful. Can you share a, maybe a story, a, a customer story, or maybe just a story uh, from someone who's used the RO? It's, it's been out a couple months now. Is that right? And yeah. Um, can you share something that, that maybe might help our listeners understand the potential? Um, I'll share two. Um, the first one I'll share is there was a, um, there was a woman named Christine who had, she pre-ordered RO. So she was one of the very, very early ones. And even before it shipped, I, I got on the phone with her and I was asking her, I was like, Hey, so tell me a little bit about, tell me a little bit about this. Tell me why, what motivates you to, to, to join RO. And she said that her husband last year was in the ICU for 54 days. Um, and they, he had to be revived three times. And, um, they almost lost them. And, and she said at the time, she said, I got to do something. There was a, it was a, a wake up call for her this last year. And then three months ago, she was sitting at the dinner table on her phone and her husband kind of slammed his, his, um, his dish on the, on the table. And he said, he said, you are never here with us. Mm -hmm. I said, he said, and he goes, you are always on that phone. You're never here with us. And so she said, I got to do something. And so she'd heard about RO and she ordered. And I said, oh, so is your husband excited about you having RO? And she goes, oh, he doesn't know yet. She goes, this is my present for him. Mm. She goes, I'm going to give him the RO, not for him to use, but this is going to signify that I am present with him, that I am with him. And so that motivation, I mean, what a, what a story there. That gives um, me chills. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, a, it's a really, really incredible one. Um, I would say the other one is from... Um, and it's interesting, by the way, a lot of moms really love this moms and dads, by the way, moms yeah. and dads are motivated extraordinarily differently when it comes to their phone. Mm -hmm. And there's, which is, which is fascinating, but we had another, um, another one, Shelly, Shelly lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Shelly was telling me that her, she said that RO is just its mere presence. She said is a quiet invitation for her to put down her phone. And when she mm -hmm. does, she said, there's a chain reaction. She goes, I put it down. And then my husband sees it and he puts it down. And then my 13 year old son puts it down. She goes, then all of a sudden we have this amazing conversation and they have two younger kids too. So mm -hmm. it then when the three of them do that, it loops in everybody. And she said, it has made the world a difference. She had a great line. She said, at first I thought Aura was a luxury. Now I know that it's a necessity for every family because of the environmental change it creates in your home. Wow. That's powerful. It's powerful. I mean, and again, we, we, you know, we want to change the world, but we want to do it through the individual worlds of families. So anytime somebody joins RO, we know that's a world right there. 
And that's going to that's going to have reverberating change for generations. And that's no that's no understatement. I think everybody has an opportunity right now to create reverberating change in the generational impact of their family. They can do it right now. And it all begins. And it sounds ridiculous. It changes when you change your relationship with your phone, Mm. change your relationship with everybody around you and you change your relationship with your phone. Yeah. I mean, I, I think on the surface, it maybe sounds ridiculous, but I think when you really think about it, the I think the number one obstacle between us and real connection is the phone. I saw it was like a, maybe an image that someone had drawn and it was a parent sitting on the couch with their kid um, and they were on their device and there's like a glass wall between them. And I just thought that was such a powerful image of like how it literally puts up walls between us and the people that we care about the most. And so I think on the surface, maybe it is like, it it sounds a little radical, but I think to me, logically, when I think about the times that I've been on my phone and the things that I've maybe missed and the things that really matter to me at the core of who I am, being on the phone is not one of those things that matters to the core of who I am. It's just easy to forget in the urgency and maybe me trying to feel self-important at times with like work stuff or with friend groups or, um, there's a little bit of the FOMO of like, Oh, if I don't respond to this person, maybe they won't like me or they're, they're going to change how they think about me. But those things are, I think minor things in the grand scheme of life and the, in the brevity of life. So I, I think that's, I think it's a valid statement. I really yeah. do. And, it, and it's, it, it's, or it's just the unconscious way we've, we've accustomed ourselves to living. It's mm-hmm. not always, it's not always because, Hey, I got an important email to check. 80, Maxie Heitmeyer, who I mentioned earlier, he said 89% of cell phone usage is self-initiated. It's not the notifications coming in. That's only 11%. It's our phone. Oh. Our phone yells at us 11% of the time. We go to our phone on our own 89% of the time and it's, and it's virtually, you know, 80%, 80% of the time it's, it's unconscious. We're just doing it because that's what you do. We're just doing it because we're just picking it up to look, picking it up to look, picking it up to look. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. all on us. And so I, that's just, that's just a matter of habit and we can get better at that. We Mm -hmm. are, we are actually powerless. These things are designed to have our faces staring at them. And can, can you actually uh, pause there yeah, for one second? Can sure. you actually talk a little more about the design? And, and there may be people who aren't as familiar with uh, some of the information that's been released over the past two to three years about some of the ways that cell phones are designed to uh, be addictive, to uh, provide dopamine hits in, yeah. in really like fascinating ways that you would not know there was science behind certain things like the pauses and in Instagram scrolls or like there is yeah. a tremendous amount of intention and how our phones were designed. Would you mind just sharing a few of those ways that that phones? I think one of the primary one, and you may have watched it. Anybody listening, I'd encourage you to go watch the social dilemma, um, Mm -hmm. which in Netflix special, which is just absolutely sobering. Um, And it's in that, that really goes into it. And very largely they go, they related a lot to, um, you know, a bunch of, you know, Instagram, TikTok, and all that stuff and the algorithms they feed you, which are, by the way, they are fueling your own bias. They are there. It's, it's a cotton candy. And I think the primary mm-hmm. way, the primary way that phones are pulling us to them is through intermittent rewards. So intermittent rewards are effectively what a slot machine does. And it means when you mm-hmm. pull the lever, you have an uncertain result. And because it's uncertain, when it hits, it feels good, but it makes you want to go back again because you don't know. So you lose, you lose, you lose. Oh, the next, this, I'm going to hit now. I'm going to hit now. I'm going to hit now. And so it's the same thing on the, you said it on the, on the pauses on the Instagram scroll that, I mean, that's, that's a huge one because just waiting and building up the anticipation. Then you get, oh, okay, I see the next, I see the next mm-hmm. round of them. Um, you know, the like button, frankly, was a huge one. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, I don't know that. It's easy to describe all these as, you know, they have really ill intent, the people designing behind them. I think there's a bunch of unintended consequences that that they didn't anticipate. And a lot of people who are early designers of this are going back and saying, what the heck have I done? Yeah, um, I, th- I think that's true, actually, as well. And, and, and I actually think that Apple, for example, I don't think Apple is really, I think Apple is very legitimate in them saying that they don't want people to be hooked on their phones I, mm-hmm. because they have no, they're going to sell their devices no matter what. Mm-hmm. I think there may be some more nefarious kind of intent from others who do have an incentive for our eyes to be on it, but it's, it's a whole litany of stuff that's designed around human psychology that, that adults can't overcome much less 
10, 11, 12 year olds. I can't, ima- I can't imagine if I was a 13 year old boy with full access to the internet. Oh man, I know. Holy crap. I'd never leave my room. Yeah, exactly. Be, yeah, never exactly. go outside. Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually, so I'm, I'm 33 mm-hmm. and I was one of the last uh, generations of people that lived growing up without a cell phone. Interesting. So we had social media starting like my sophomore year of high school, okay. like Facebook would have started coming out. And so kind of by the end of high school, social media was fairly prevalent. Everyone had a Facebook. It was pretty archaic at that yeah. point. It was like posting on each other's walls and replying. Right. And like, if you remember maybe those days, of course, um, it was long paragraphs. It, it's come a long way, <laughs> long way since then. But it is interesting to think about, like our kids aren't going to know a world without yeah. this technology. So we have to figure out a way to live with the technology. Yeah, it's not going away. That's totally right. And, and what an amazing opportunity. This is the way we look at it. This is an amazing opportunity as parents for two things, to give ourselves to our kids. There's no greater mm-hmm. gift that we can give to our children than us being fully, fully present with them. That's the greatest gift we can give. And then to teach them how to wield this amazingly powerful tool. Mm-hmm. It's, an, it's an opportunity that if anybody takes advantage of it, then they will set themselves and their kids so further apart than everybody else in society. And it's right there waiting for us. That opportunity is available to all of us. Mm. And we teach our kids by example, right? Like you can tell your, for those of you who have kids, you know this, you could tell them to do something, but if they see you doing something different, they will every single time they will follow your example over the thing that you're telling them. Yeah. And so living with intention around your phone and how you use that device, I imagine by example, yeah. it's going to be the most powerful way to convey those messages and convey those desires of like, Hey, this is how a good way to show up in the world is to your kids. Absolutely. It's totally right. So Joey, can you tell me like, how have you changed as a person in the, in this process? What are some things that maybe you used to believe that, that you've changed on or just how, how has this process been transformational for you personally? I said this earlier, when you change your relationship with your phone, you change your relationship with everyone around you, including yourself. So my relationship to myself has changed. My my ability to sit quietly and be bored and, and let creative thoughts kind of swirl all around. Uh, my ability to sit and, and read a book um, has drastically changed. My relationship with my family has, has just turned on its head. I... I mm. I, I don't know. I, I, I hate to imagine what it would be like if, if I had not gone through this journey. Um, and I'm, and I'm still missing things left and right. Right. Just because it's, you know, as being a, a, a dad of teenagers, um, I would say my relationship, my family has drastically changed. And then even the relationship with friends, you have much more enriching conversations with friends when you're able to do this. And I think maybe the biggest impact is, is the impact it will have on my kids. Um, mm. I heard I heard one of our researchers had a statement that was just spine chilling. She said that this generation of kids right now, as they're engulfed in social media, looking at pictures of everybody else, she said that this generation of kids will die with more of other people's memories than memories they create on their own. Wow. Think about that. So I'm giving my kids the opportunity to create more of their own memories than to experience memories of other people they'll never even meet. That that's you talk about impact. There's impact. It's not because I'm a great dad. It's because I'm fortunately able to teach my kids how to have a great relationship with their phones. They can go create their own memories. Everybody listening can do that too. It's right there, man. That's so, that's such a cool way to look at it. So I, I read this book. It's been a really long time. A, a Don Miller book. It was called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, mm-hmm. I think is the name of the book. And the the concept of the book is what if instead of like reading and watching stories, we lived our lives like a story. We, mm, you know, I we thought that. of ourselves as, as the character and we went out and we found interesting things to do and yeah. we found adventure. And I've all, that has always just stuck with me as such a beautiful way to think about life. And I think that's what you're giving to your kids when yeah you're taking on this, this journey of like building a healthier relationship with your phone and with your devices and with electronics in general. So absolutely. That's super powerful, man. Um, I guess the final question, and this is one that I, I just love to share as a part of our podcast on, on every single episode is 
how, what would you give to someone who's looking to make a bigger impact in the world? Uh, what advice would you give them on how to get started? Maybe they don't know where to start. Maybe they just have a, a dream of, you know, doing something um, that's going to make a big impact to make the world a better place. How would you tell them to get started on that journey? So maybe I don't This is what comes to mind at first. This is just a, a, the first blink is go find a partner. Go find somebody who believes it and feels it the same way you do. Um, that'll change it. This is the, you know, it, this idea of going and building a, a device where you put your phones, it automatically connects to an app. It would very easily have faded if it were just Heath's idea, if it were just my idea. Um, Sarah Blakely with Spanx, she talks about um, when you have an idea, and this is what she experienced with Spanx, she goes, it's so fragile, it's so fragile. It's like a piece of dust and any, you blow that, you know, you blow it and it's gone. And so it's so fragile. You got to really, really protect it. And I believe if you have somebody with you where you can partner up and then you can, you can encourage each other. It's the same, this is a, <laughs> it's a laughable example, but you know, at the, the demilitarization zone, North and South Korea, they have, they have soldiers from each side, like looking at each other. So it's that, you know, it's, 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 it's two people they're on opposing sides but to make yeah. sure the other person does what they're supposed to do it's the same thing i think i think go mm -hmm. find a partner go some go find somebody who's as passionate as you are about it um and i think in that that that's that can really make a difference in that encouragement and that one plus one you know really is has a multiplying effect mm. i think that's beautiful i think that could go for professional i think i could go for personal life too whether yeah. that's a a friend or your life partner, you yeah. know, find those, those, the people that you spend your time with and surround yourself with professionally and personally are the people who will help you achieve or yeah. not achieve whatever you do in your life. I think yeah. that's tremendous advice. I totally thank agree. You, man. Yeah, man. Well, uh, Joey, thank you so much for being on today, man. I, I want to give you a little time here to share where can people find you? Where can people find RO? Um, what if they want to know more? They're intrigued yeah. by this conversation. What's a good next step? Yeah, you can go to our website is uh, com. So G-O-A-R-O.com. Find us on socials at at GoRO now. Um, and we've just, we've actually just, we've gone through kind of a metamorphosis on our pricing. Um, so our pricing is a pure membership model. There's no upfront cost to purchase the device. So it's a, starts at $18 a month. Um, and along with that, you get this uh, free RO home device comes along with it, which is a multi multiple hundred dollar um, gift um, that this is what activates it. This is what activates it. And and I will I will say this is a an absolute game changer. If anybody feels this tension, and I can say this not because it's something that I've been, I'm part of, but just because of the impact it's had on my life. Every family with kids needs RO in their home. This will mm. be a game changer. This will be the thing that makes a difference. This will be a symbol in your home of what's important to you. Mm. I love that. All right, everyone, go out and buy an RO, goro.com. Uh, I know I'm going to get one. I'm super excited about the idea. I wasn't even aware of the pricing uh, model shift, but I'm yeah. really excited about that too. Um, so that that sounds like a great shift. And Joey, thank you so much for being on uh, one of our first few episodes here of the Impact Code. It's been a great conversation, and I would love to circle back in six or 12 months yeah, man, man. Hear how hear how things are going over at RO, hear how the, the growth is continuing, hear how you guys are changing lives because I believe that you will continue to do that. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that. Thank you, Brett. Yeah. Take care. And there it is. Huge thanks to Joey for coming on the show today. This conversation was one that was really meaningful and powerful to me. I think this every time I have an interview, but I felt it again here was just that this was a great conversation and so well worth the time. I hope that you felt so too. Check out RO. You can find them at goro.com and get yourself an RO. It's less than 50 cents a day at its lowest price point and the impact that it, that it can have on you, that it can have on your family, and the way that it can improve your relationship with your phone and your relationship with those around you just has so much potential in my mind. So I hope you'll check it out. Joey, I want to give you a huge heartfelt thank you, my friend, for being on the Impact Code and for sharing the way that you did. I love your passion. I can't wait to get together and talk again sometime soon. And I can't wait to see how you and the whole RO team continue to change lives. Before we go, if you enjoyed this show, please, before you close your app, 
before you shut it down, leave us a review, hit that five star button. Tell us what you loved about the show. It only takes a few seconds to leave a review or to hit that five star button, but it means so much to us as a show in helping other people find us. So do it now. Huge thanks to Tower Community Bank for putting on the show for us. You can check them out at www.towercommunitybank.com. I'm looking forward to seeing you again on the next episode of The Impact Code. Bye. Bye.